This is the weekend edition of the Code Report. Hello and welcome. There are several cases now, both in the listed company space as well as the unlisted company space, where the role and the responsibility of independent directors have been called into question. There are two kinds of situations. One is where something has happened, no one knew about it, and they perhaps knew about it but did not speak up to the detriment of uh, external shareholders or the external community in general. And the second is when everyone knows about it and yet they don't seem to have done what is again expected of them, particularly in a listed company. Now, there have been several cases of these, some very high profile, some maybe not so high profile, and I'm not going to get into that. But the larger issue here is uh, what is the role of independent directors? And it's changing in more ways than one. It's also changing because the nature of companies is changing, the nature of businesses is changing. So what is indeed expected of them? And importantly, as we define their roles and we define their expectations, we as external stakeholders, how are they being evaluated all the time? So there's an interesting document that has been put out by Pricewaterhouse in India, which in conjunction with the Confederation of Indian Industry or CII, defines the guidelines for appointment of independent directors and the process of uh, board evaluation. So this was put out a couple of weeks ago. I had the opportunity of speaking about these new guidelines and what it portends in the context of what we've been seeing in recent months or maybe even years. And I'm joined now by Sanjeev Krishan, chairman of the CII subgroup on independent directors of the CII Corporate Governance Council. Sanjeev Krishan is uh, also the chairman of PwC in India. Sanjeev used to work as the deals leader for PwC India before he became the chairperson and he's been with PwC for about 31 years. Sanjeev, thank you so much for joining me. So I'm picking up on the new guidelines on appointment of independent directors and the process of board evaluation. I'll come to the evaluation part a little later. But what triggered these guidelines? And let me ask you from my vantage point, obviously, we are seeing quite a few cases of companies in the listed universe as well as the unlisted universe where board of directors clearly do not seem to have been either active, alert, or even responsive to what's been happening in the companies. Now, these may be exceptions, but sometimes exceptions do stand out. Is this linked to what's been happening in the environment, or is this something that was generally proactive? Specific to your question, I think there were three parts, really, to the conversation. First one, as you said, that the independent directors in particular, there is a lot that is being asked of them these days by regulation and even otherwise. The expectation is that they should be able to, in some ways, you know, get some diversity. And I'm not just talking to agenda. It is more broader in, in thinking because, you know, what the companies go through in, the, in, in terms of the disruptions that they go through are numerous. And the board is supposed to be able to navigate the company, the organization through these disruptive times, etc. And they don't need broader counsel. So, you know, what's the point in having a very homogeneous set of people who are anchoring the board? So the idea was to have different people, maybe coming from diverse backgrounds. You know, today we talk about risk management. Today we talk about geopolitics and the impact of that on business. Today we talk about supply chain disruptions, about technology, and you know, technology itself continues to evolve. So the really intention was that how do we get more diversity into the board so that you know the board is better prepared to navigate the company through all the disruptions that it faces. Now, in that regard, you know. All, uh, when you look at the independent directors, I think from an independent director perspective, the ask of the independent director itself have been going up. You know, a lot of that is driven by regulation and this may be NODR, et cetera, as a case in point. 
including what they have to govern and approve and so on and so forth. So the intention was that while they do that, and that is important and driven by regulation, what is it that the composition of the board should be so that it is able to do these things in a way that they're not just thinking about the here and now, but also thinking a little bit long term. To the point that you mentioned about governance at large, I certainly believe that you know over the period of time, this is possibly my seventh business cycle now that I'm seeing, governance standards in India have gone up, no question about it. But I think the, the challenges that for business, the opportunities for business have also gone up and that's where the need to be steadfast about governance and be able to do more and more over a period of time. And I think some of these guidelines, my hope is, will help in that regard. Right. So, you know, the guidelines talk about how, in addition to the roles of strategy, finance and audit, they also now, or directors should really absorb or embrace the ability to look at crisis and risk management, internal controls, and maybe the geopolitics and the external factors that you talked about. But let me come back to the responsiveness. And that's one reason why people are asking questions of independent directors, that this happened, what were you doing? Or if this happened, and we now know that this has happened, what are you doing? So my question really is, while independent directors may be qualified from even in the context of these new requirements, are they fundamentally ready to play the role that is truly asked of them? I think that we are getting there, Govin. No question about it. In my mind, we're getting there. It is also a question of providing them a bit of a security net because, uh, you know, it's it's about how you look at it glass half full, half empty. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't celebrate the glass half full, but it's also about a question about how do you look at it. I mean, you know, we have also seen in a number of cases without any active involvement of the independent board directors that they have been hauled up by various agencies. And, you know, that could be unnerving for somebody who's just coming in and contributing. I mean, Let's be honest, how much time do the independent directors in particular, they're not in the executive position, how much time do they end up spending? I mean, you know, uh, you might say that they end up spending, you know, a couple of days, they should get some advanced notice of what's coming up for discussion, they should apply their mind and stuff like that. But having said all of that, I mean, you know, even if they're not spending only four days a year, uh, maybe they're spending a little bit more time, is it enough? They're not in the executive positions. And, you know, I think that's where it is important that as long as they're acting in good faith, we also provide them the security net, if I may call it so. And that's one of the recommendations that we made through the CII guidelines effectively. And I think that's important. So, again, I would just say that I think we are certainly on that journey. There are, from an independent board perspective, you know, and I know, I mean, just based on the statistics, that there is actually a dearth of independent board directors and particularly women directors that India Inc. is facing at this point in time. And some of these things also, you know, happen over a period of time. I mean, the independent directors also need to mature into their roles, get into their roles, feel more confident to be able to say what they're saying. And I think that's where some of the upskilling which is needed, and both in terms of technical, but also in terms of how they conduct themselves, also becomes very, very important. So you're saying that in a way that because there's a demand-supply mismatch, companies or external shareholders who obviously want independent directors to act on their behalf are not really able to, you know, leverage their heft if they have any or put their foot down if the situation so arises. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to have more people putting up their hands up to be independent directors. And what I'm saying is that more and more people will be encouraged to put up that, put their hands up if they know that they will be secure. I mean, as long as they are not, uh, they're not going to get hauled up for something that they're not fully involved in. If there is a security net to the decisions that they make in a non-executive capacity, they will be a little bit more vocal. They will be able to do a, and discharge their duties much more efficiently. 
right? Nobody wants to be in a position where I've played my role in, in, as an independent director and, you know, one year down the line, two years down the line, I'm hot over something which I was not actively a part of. I mean, that makes the whole system insecure, so as to speak. So I think security is a big issue and I think we need to encourage, have more more and more uh, people putting up their hands up for independent director. I, why, why weren't only retired people, right? I mean, or semi-retired people. I would actively encourage people in executive positions to be uh, you know, uh, on independent positions in some other organizations. I think it will help them their executive roles as they do some of that, etc. So yes, we need more talent to come through at the independent director level. So I'm, I'm going to come to the getting hauled up bit in a moment. But at a very fundamental level, what do independent directors sign up for? I mean, when they accept a nomination or accept an offer to become a director on the board with, in some cases, clearly because compensation levels have been going up quite well, it's a handsome remuneration. But that apart, what are they really signing up for? I mean, this is a very bottom line question. First and foremost, it is about making sure that they're able to deliver on what the regulatory requirements are. And as I said, I mean, the regulatory requirements are now well defined and the SEBI, LODR and others, I think they're very well defined. One of the key things is is that um, I think the other thing really is that they have to in some ways be responsible to the entire stakeholders, not just, you know, what we used to say, the shareholders. And that's where the drift is at this point in time, that I'm responsible for the entire stakeholder community. I mean, that would include my employees, my my supply chain, my distributors, and so on and so forth. So you have to create a responsibility. And of course, the regulators and, and government at large, etc. I think that's one of the key things. The other thing that I would say is also to make sure that you're not just thinking about the company today, as to, you know, that there is a matter which has come up for my consideration and I should say that I'll give my view on it today, but also, you know, to make sure that there is there is long-term sustainers of the company. The company and its executive are thinking through things a lot more deeper and just not responding to a situation which is coming their way. Maybe there's a hard calls to be taken, you know, maybe it's a hard decision to be taken, but I'm challenging you to think about it. Making Maybe making investments which may actually create some challenges to your let's say, bottom line is today, but which will keep you in good stead over a long period of time. I think that is what the independent directors would sign up up, uh, sign up for. I think initially, really to make sure that they are, it helps the companies meet their obligations under the regulations. But then I would say more importantly, how do they make sure that the companies remain steadfast over a long period of time and are thinking long term and not just the near term and the short term? Let's talk about the getting hauled up and the possibility that actions of or decisions taken by the board lead to criminal prosecution, let's say under tax, and independent directors get thrown into the net, are hauled in when the net is cast by, let's say, the tax authorities as an example. Now, I can understand that that's a deterrent, but why should that be, you know, in some ways mixed with their fundamental duty and perhaps something that may be not, let's say, liked by others to shareholders, as in, if my responsibility is to shareholders and I have to question something, then I should question it. I mean, and why should the fear of being hauled up for something else be mixed into this? Because I got that sense. It's multiple things, right? I mean, one, of course, is that, as I mentioned, you know, uh, how much time do the independent directors spend on it, right? You mentioned remuneration, etc. is going up and, you know, that may be a 
matter of fact but the question really is that how much time are we spending i mean how much there is encouragement for them to spend time what kind of preparation are they able to do what kind of pre reads do they get before they get into a board meeting have they had ability to ask a bunch of questions and you know are they asking those questions right now if a lot of that is happening and if there is enough and more time which they are devoting or they are able to devote are they being asked to devote then of course the question becomes pertinent that would anybody be able to ask you know anybody who's as well lawyer as these are but these people are supposed to be are they asking all the relevant questions and if i'm asking all the relevant questions you know there's obviously a bit of a you know it's also going to be a bit of a challenge to the executive that you know why abc and not what why not xyz and i think if that is done if that is done i think one needs to only appreciate the fact that i'm not in an executive position what i even strategize i'm not in a position to deliver or execute that execution still lies with somebody else as long as that differentiation is there and maintained i i'm in the position to challenge to question to counsel and mentor and make sure that i'm able to put my advice on record now subsequent to that subsequent to that the outcomes might turn out to be ori for for reasons of non delivery or not not acknowledging the advice that i got or indeed lacunas in delivery itself now for those things for those things yes one might say that in my first subsequent board meeting was a review contacted did i come up on that discussion or not etc and there are obviously questions which can be debated but broadly speaking broadly speaking i think the main challenge here is that if i have to get more and more people of talent of pedigree into the independent directorship something that we are currently lacking how is it that we support them in their mind to say that you know we acknowledge that you're not in executive positions we acknowledge that you are guides mentors and supports in some level but you're not in an executive position and hence i need to secure you that tomorrow you and your family will not get as we are discussing challenged or hold up for actions that you have not actively committed so when you talk about you know this liability or really you know making sure that liability is not open ended this part of it is addressed to the government and i'm assuming in the case of or areas like tax and so on yeah i think we have made certain recommendations in terms of how we could look at liability insurance for independent directors and you know why just the top few companies i mean maybe it should be more broad based to listed companies and maybe some unlisted ones etc because some of them are actually becoming more and more meaningful to the india story so the idea really is to a little bit have it a little bit more expansive in its reach wherever the independent directors have a bigger role to play i mean there could be businesses which may be which may not be you know listed or which may not be so visible but where there is a very significant role that they are playing so the idea is to more expand that to independent directors or broadly but you're also saying that you know some cap on personal liability of an independent director if there was some let's say again an adverse tax order or an adverse tax prosecution which is what your ci note specifically refers to so i think as far as the liability is concerned i think the liability of the directors per se i think there is it's well articulated in the law as to what the liability of the directors is going to be i think that is something which is just typically i would say a matter of law and we didn't sort of necessarily want to get into a lot of that i think the idea really is as i said more to encourage more and more people to onboard this very important position in corporate india you do talk about the continuous evaluation and that's interesting so how is that likely to play out in a structured way do you feel companies first of all do they do enough continuous evaluation and secondly if they don't could they or would they because of inputs like this 
I certainly think that that is an area of significant improvement from a board standpoint. I think the evaluation of board, not just the independent members, but even others is something which needs to be significantly shored up, you know, and I think there needs to be a process. It has, has to be an institutional process which needs to be set up that, okay, these are the principles, these are the guidelines or the framework in which we are going to evaluate the board members, independent and executives both, and they could be different evaluation frameworks for each one of them. And I think, you know, the NRC others, you know, in some ways needs to take a lot more cognizance of some of these and do their evaluations every three years. They can do it. They can change the parameters if they wish every year, if, if they so wish, etc. There should also be what we are recommending is that there also should be communication. If I'm somebody who's not, you know, meeting, you know, the framework requirements, then there should be a discussion with me that, you know, hey, I mean, you know, this is what we expected from you. I mean, I could be a cyber person, I could be, you know, economics expert, or I could be somebody else, etc. And maybe the going in proposition was that I'd be a little bit more overweight, even as I, you know, help the other, the more navigate more broadly. And if that's not coming through, I think there should be an open conversation with me saying that, okay, this is what the expectation, or maybe simply, simply put, I'm not participative enough, or, you know, I've missed a few meetings, which I should, right? So, I mean, the question really is that one needs to be in communication, one needs to actually show that one is talking to them, and then we should actually document it. We should actually put it out and disclose it also that, okay, this is what we sent. And maybe as a result, we have actually reframed the guidelines. As a result, over a period of time, somebody has been, you know, in some ways rated in a particular way. I think some of that is going to be very, very important over a period of time. And that will build confidence. I mean, the important thing is that we need to build confidence in this very important institution of independent directors. And I do believe that the evaluation mechanism will build in the wider community greater amount of trust in this very important institution of India. And that's a good and positive note to end on. Sanjeev Krishan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Govind. That was The Core Report with me, Govind Raj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopsis or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in and thank you once again for listening. <laughs>